So I've been in the medical industry for oh, oh, well over 20 years now. I started off in pharmacy while I was in high school as a part-time job. Wow. And um, I wasn't, I ne- I've never worked in fast food. I've started off as, a, as my first job in pharmacy and um, absolutely loved it. I loved um, being able to help people in any, any manner. It actually inspired me to want to become a pharmacist. But then when I was looking closer at university, I just couldn't see myself sitting behind a table dispensing medicines all the time. So then I, I looked into other avenues. As time's gone on, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've worked in, um, in all sorts of different areas within the um, medical field, um, aged care through to um, disabilities, through to hospital, pharmacy, medical centers, the works. It's been, it's been wonderful. Is there a reason why you stopped or what did you um, I'm still in it. If you stay in one particular field, one particular area, um, sometimes it can become stagnant. And I like to be able to experience different areas, find out more. Um, you don't really often see um, or appreciate what you're doing until you're on the other side or you're in a different area. So I was in pharma for a while. Um, I did nice. natural. Um, and going from natural back into pharma and back into natural again, I have a nice blend between the two. Rather than being solely narrow-minded on one area, I can appreciate both sides no of the It's the same as when um, someone tries to prescribe you um, equipment for your life and they've never been in it. Oh, yeah. And so they try and tell you, Ooh. oh, you, you like this or you like that. But when they've actually sat in it, they go, oh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this. You know, once they realize it, there's a whole different way of, of presenting it to you. So, so you, can, you can explain it like a car, car salesman. You're not going to be able to sell a car unless you've driven it. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you don't know the safety rate until you've been in a car, a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> and you know where every, I guess, medicine is located, yeah? Yeah. You, well, it's, you get um, familiar with the pharmacy. <laughs> oh, it's, it's always interesting when you talk to um, different doctors and they say, um, I don't believe in anything natural. And I go, oh, okay. So you don't prescribe iron? You don't prescribe calcium? And they're like, oh, oh, but that's different. I went, 
no, no, that's natural. And then they go, oh, um, I go, what about Viagra? And they go, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, no, that starts off natural. The main ingredient's natural. <laughs> but a lot of them don't seem to comprehend that, you know, where it comes from. They just say, oh, pharma, it's synthetic. We believe it. That's it. They don't ask any questions. Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, no, everyone that's so good. Panic because they had no idea where to buy things or what they were buying because all they do is they buy the name brand and they didn't think, well, what is it that I'm actually buying? What is it that I'm actually using? As I said to David, it's very interesting that everyone was so like particular it. about face masks. And I said, well, do you not realize that everything in theater, the only one thing that is not sterile is the face mask? And he was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so that I, I often oh, don't yeah. watch all the carry-ons. Do you have any educational experiences that you would like to share? What I found very interesting is that um, as, as the industry has progressed, medicine went from being somewhat of a TAFE-style education, because the doctor never went to university until the you know, turn of the century, to being all university-based, and now they're going back to a mixture of university and practical. Um, and those, that, those nurses and doctors and whatnot that were trained, particularly nurses, I guess you'd say, that were trained under the hospital-based system, which means that they were trained in the hospital mostly, were far better equipped and far, better, uh, far, far more knowledgeable than those that were university-based because there's only so much you can learn theoretically, but when you actually get out there and do something it's an eye-opener. Suddenly you realize, oh, there's blood here. I don't like blood. Or, oh, there's a smell here. I don't like the smell that goes with it. Like, well, <laughs> why did you go into nursing? Um, but it's been very interesting how it's evolved over time. Um, and the university has become very protective of their program and their students and the way it's done. And when nurse practitioners first came out to Australia, the universities wanted... Um, a three-year course in order to become a nurse practitioner, whereas in the States, it's not oh. that at all. And then it was like, um, who can train you and who can't train you and all these rules and regulations. And some of them were just absolutely pathetic. But they, the universities want money. Um, they're there to make money. They're a business. Um, they're not there to, with the goal to train you. They're there to make money. And if you get trained, well, great. But yeah, no, I find um, I've met some people around the years that have um, been trained um, in the field and they've far surpassed with knowledge anyone else that I've met with in, in, um, from a, a facility, like a university background sort of thing. Interesting. Uh, during your career, uh, what are some you know, challenges or obstacles that you have witnessed or overcome? Um, one that I found, um, I, I, I thought about this one for a little bit, but, um, one of the, um, obstacles that I found I'd been in aged care and I'd been in, um, in the medical side for a long time and I'd done some work with disabilities. Um, but then when I started working a lot more, like a lot closer with, with dis um, dis disabled patients, I found that there were a lot of people who were, prescribing and working with them, but nobody had actually really used it. And so trying to tell patients and trying to describe things and, and put things together, 
when they were qualified OTs or things like that, but they, they knew the theoretical side of it, but they hadn't actually physically got in it and felt what it's like to be on the other end of it. And um, there was this guy who um, had a, an engineering background and he said, come here, sit down in this. This is, these are the settings. And he, and he modified all these settings and he said, now go for it. And I went, oh, wow, that feels really comfortable. And then he moved something else around and he said, what about this? And I'm like, oh, well, and he said, but you had this issue. And he just seemed to know exactly what would happen for each person with their conditions and um, with their positionings. And he, oh. could, he could sit there and look at you and then prescribe something far better than somebody who was actually in the medical field. And that's because he, oh, okay. he had taken the whole item apart in his head and then put it back together and then actually physically got in it himself to try it out, to see oh, wow. what it did to him. And then I watched as he deteriorated in health and had to use it. And he used it just as good as what he was doing with his pre uh, you know, prescribing it. There was no, oh, I wish I had known this or I should have done this or because he had put himself in that position as if he was the patient and said, yeah, I want to learn. I want to be a patient. I'll be there. And Is he experimenting on himself? Yeah. He, he, he just said, I'll be the patient. I can't walk. I can't do anything. I want to, I want to try and do this for myself. That's when he started to realize the facts behind it and go, well, you know, I can understand why well, people hate this thing or they hate this because it's ludicrous. And um, so he made a lot of modifications himself. It was just an eye opener. And an OT came and worked with us and he tried to say, oh, no, no, you do it this way, you do it. And he goes, no, 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 get in the chair. <laughs> and so he put the person in the chair and the guy goes, uh, you know, he pushed, you know, sorted it all out and made him pretend that he was one of the patients. And um, the OT going, oh, now I see what you mean. And he goes, get on the other side of the fence and then come back and tell me what you think. <laughs> so, and oh, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things I found is that people don't want to go on the other side of the fence. They're fine to tell <laughs> you, but they're not prepared to go on the other side. Adam? What is, what have you got disability and disability? So um, uh, about three years ago, um, so I don't really have like a disability per se. I had um, a stroke about three years ago and I lost the, the left side of the body. And so for a year and a half, I didn't go on camera. I didn't, the whole side of the face was dropped down and the vanity, you know, <laughs> when, when you get a smile and the face doesn't quite pull up. I was very, very self-conscious of it. Um, and so I disappeared off of social media, off of everything. Um, and my picture was never taken um, just because I needed to get the, the muscles going again. When it happened, I knew straight away that if you don't use it, you lose it. You lose it. Uh, with my hand, even though I don't have full, like massive control, I can, I can do a fist, but it's not strong. But yeah. I can get in here now. I used to only be able to get to here. What I did is I, I could touch type. Where I play the organ, I didn't want to touch the organ because that would have made me very depressed. So what I did is I typed and I just made, I just made sure that I just kept my type in. I wouldn't let anyone do it for me. I wouldn't go to one hand. I just said, nope, I'm going to do two hands. And, nice. and it, was, it was painful because you, 
you have electric shocks going up your arms all the time yeah. um, as it's yeah. as you're for- forcing it to go through. So you feel this electrical shock go up. But I was just like, no, I, I've got to do it. I've got to keep doing this. Otherwise, I'm going to lose it. I still only have about, I'd say about 50 to 60% feeling in the left leg. So it's really cool. You can put a pin in the leg and... You don't feel it. <laughs> it just feels like you, you're pressing hard. <laughs> yeah. I've, 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 um, had that, I've had that feeling when, when your leg goes numb. Yep. Um, I have issues that, like, I just flew over to um, Sydney, uh, sorry, over to Perth. When I first went over in June, I didn't know how I would travel. I thought it'd be okay. Um, and I didn't. Mm. I, I blew up like a big balloon. Um, I just oh. retained fluid, um, oh. and all the skin was hard as a rock. I couldn't move my fingers um, wow. or do anything um, because when, oh. it, when it all goes hard, you got to start moving to try and pump yeah. everything through. The next day, um, I went somewhere and they said, "Oh, can you play?" And I went, um, "I don't want to because you know my hands, my hands are all swollen." And um, they said, oh, "Can you come up and play?" So I went, um, "Okay, I'll do it." And I tried, I did okay, but uh, my hand kept seizing and my leg would keep seizing and I'd have to keep moving, you know, moving the fingers to get the f- blood flowing again. And then you'd start playing, but as soon as you hold a note, it would freeze up again. And, it, and I'd just be like, oh, please, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> and as much yeah. as it was painful, um, I still pushed myself through it. Some days you, you're, um, you have really good days, and other days it's back to square, you feel like you're back at square one. But you just got to keep moving it. Of course. And I haven't let anything stop me yet. I went on a cruise and went with the kids on on things like the flying fox and and um, various climbing things. But I knew my limits, and so I knew when yeah. I got to a certain point that if I pushed myself further, I would be in trouble. Uh, and so then I would back out very quickly. And so I'll still try and do it. And I'll do it until I physically can't do anymore, and then I'll stop. It's left me with a great appreciation for what I used to have. Right. Um, you don't know when you, uh, what you had until it's gone. Yeah. 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 Well, I used to um, be a ballroom dancer. I can still get up there now, but I can only go for about two or three minutes at a maximum, and then I have to stop and I have mm-hmm. to rest. I might be able to do it again, but mm-hmm. yeah, depending on what I've done, it might be me for the rest of the night. But I'm getting there. Yeah. Thank you very, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, yeah, That's wow. Uh, but building on what you were saying, when you had your health complications in the past, what experiences have you had? Um, I've had some interesting ones. I had um, kidney stones, and um, I went down to um, the hospital, and I I usually hold my pain very well. Um, I've got a very high pain threshold, but I also, I'm not, I'm not an overly articulate person when it comes to pain or happiness or emotions. I'd rather just keep it within myself. And um, I remember going down there and they like, to, they like to think, well, if you're screaming or shouting, then you've got, uh, then you're in a lot of pain. But if you're not screaming, then you're obviously not in a lot of pain. And I'm like, well, no, you can be in a lot of pain and just not vocalize it. You know, people are like that. And when I went down there, they they kept asking the same question over and over again. And I'm like, every time I talk and think, 
I'm not controlling the pain, which means it's very, very painful. So if you don't talk to me, I can control the pain and it's a lot more tolerable for my body. And so after a little while of this, these same questions and, and rather stupid questions at that, I turned around and went, can you stop uh, asking such redundant questions? And she goes, they're not redundant. I went, they are when they've been the same question three times, four times, and you're still going. What's it trying to, what are you trying to achieve? Mm. And I got a bit snappy and they're like, you don't have to be so rude. And I went, I'm in pain. You're acting a bit, a bit like a fool. I'm not going to be very sympathetic. I'm sorry, but <laughs> let's just get this going. But yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, I had another time where I um, had a routine tonsillectomy. It would have been almost a week after I woke up in front of the mirror and I was pulsating blood out of the mouth. And so I knew straight away an arterial bleed at the back of the mouth. And I was like, okay, well, in order for me to survive, I'm going to have to keep my heart rate down. The faster you, the more your heart beats, the faster oh. you bleed. And so when I got up to the hospital, the triage nurse said, um, so what's the, you know, what's the, what's the issue? And I said, um, I've had a routine tonsillectomy and now I've got an, arter um, an arterial bleed at the back of the throat. I need to be seen immediately. And she goes, let me be the judge of that. And I went, Ooh. really? So I pulled the towel out from in front of my mouth, opened my mouth up and just covered the screen. And she went, oh. oh. <laughs> and well, that, she panicked, ran around the um, counter, grabbed me, took me in, in with the, um, you know, in a wheelchair and everything. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. And it's awesome that you have that medical knowledge as well. So when you're exposed to those situations, you know what to do. Well, it's hard That's because awesome. like. In that sort of situation, um, yeah, yeah. while while you know what to do, you also know the outcome. So because you know, you know what what's what the potential is, it's very hard to keep calm, knowing that your risk or your chance of survival is limited based on yep. how quickly I can get to um, emergency care. And um, yeah, yeah, true. after losing two and a half liters of blood, you know, I'm mm -hmm. looking at my chance of survival decreasing quite rapidly. And they're trying to be positive to you, and you're trying to keep your um, your heart rate down. And the and you're thinking, um, you mm -hmm. know, this needs to stop soon, otherwise I'm in real big trouble. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. every time you think that, then your pulse starts pumping half, you know, faster, and and um, you got to keep calm and just go, just just. Ignore the facts. Just ignore the facts. Just keep calm. <laughs> so yeah. there is there's good parts and there's also really bad parts. Do they treat you differently that you're an um, or? Sometimes um, you can be treated differently um, in the sense that, um, like when my when I took my father in, um, my father had gone in with a um, white tip spider bite um, to the stomach, and it become quite mm. ulcerated. So I took him up to the hospital and um, the nurse started um, testing and treating for STDs. And I was like, no, 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 it's a white tip spider bite. And she goes, they don't cause any problems. And I was like, well, they do actually. Um, there's some recent studies that have come out of South Australia. You know, the burns unit at, at the hospital in, in Perth had about 20 patients at the time in there being treated for white tip spider bite. So we got into an argument and 
she's trying to say that she knows uh, more and all this and we're having this big you know set to um and so in the end i just said to my dad okay i'm going to discharge you and uh we'll readmit you into the um burns unit up in perth and um, that's what we did but um other times they can um when you know the people there or they they find that they, they feel that you're that you know what you're talking about then it's a lot easier they love to talk to you because it's like they don't have to dumb things down they can just say this is what it is and you know the rest of it there's pros and cons on both sides um i've had it as well where i've gone in there and you know they've not known how to do something like put a collar and cuff on my my son or or even what a collar and cuff was or um you know put in a cast on on my daughter and so i've done yeah. it and then trained them showed them how to do it um so it's been it's been very interesting <laughs> but um you know i've had yeah. i've been able to um deliver um all of my kids by one and i've done you know put the ivs in the kids themselves and taken them out and done a lot of the the stuff myself so um yeah that part of it i've enjoyed Cool, cool. Now that's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing. Um, as a result of your health condition, how has that impacted your experiences with your family and friends? With my family, particularly like after the stroke, I was very limited in what I could do. They've unfortunately had to take more of a physical role in helping around the place because um, shortly after it, we went to move house, I couldn't do most of the stuff. I, you know, in the past, when we moved, I did all the heavy lifting. I packed all the boxes. I did the bulk of it. And then um, shortly after I had it, we, we had to move. And um, I was really worried. I thought, how am I going to do all this, not being able to, to physically do what I used to do? And um, my kids stepped up and, and did everything for me. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it was really nice. like it's been it's been tough on them because I can't I haven't been able to um, muck around and, and do the things that I used to do with them um, like they just went down to the trampoline park whatever it is um, I can't jump on a trampoline the leg just doesn't bounce <laughs> um, I yeah. I land on the trampoline and I just collapse straight down um, I've tried number of times uh, if I start in a standing position and just slowly jump then I can get it going but after a while, if I'm doing too much jumping, the leg just gives way and I just collapse to the ground. So it, there's things that I can do and things that I can't do. And it's been maybe, sad not being able to do things. Have you tried putting a brace on it? Yeah, I've got a brace. But when you jump on the trampoline with a brace on, it, you still can't. You, you've got no muscle um, yeah. to, be able to push you back up. When I add weight to your leg... Um, it, it, it helps to strengthen it and keep it upright, which is great. But if you need to jump, you need the muscle to push you back up. If you don't have that muscle, you can't push yourself back up. So yeah. then, then you go, what's the point of having the brace? Have you ever tried to strengthen it through weights? Yeah, um, I've, done, I've done that. I do walking. Um, I've, I've been strengthening it, but it's just, it just takes time. And um, the doctor said to me, you know, your biggest thing is you need to take time out and just relax. Um, and unfortunately, at the time, I couldn't take time out to relax. Um, so I was able to do that over Christmas. And I found just being able to relax over those two weeks of, um, during that time, um, mm. my health went up phenomenally, which was great. Mm. Um, oh, awesome. But, um, yeah, you just got to do what you do. But, um, yeah, well, it, it's, it's going to take time. Mm unfortunately it, it doesn't 
you can't just go, okay, well, it's been six months, I should be healed by now, or I've done a break, you know, four weeks later, I'm all good now. You know, now and then I'll, I'll be doing something and I'll still get electric shocks running up and down my body. You know, you, you move slightly different and, you know, you feel like you've just, you know, you hold arm jars backwards because you, this electrical current's just gone straight down your arm. Um, or you got to step and the electrical current goes straight up your leg and you almost drop to the ground because of it. You know, it still happens and you just deal with it. And when I've been doing too much work um, and I'm tired and fatigued, you'll start to see that the face will drop, the arm stops moving, the legs stop moving. It, it's very easy for you to see the results when I'm tired. Was that detrimental on your mental health? It, it's hard when you, with your mental health because like when we went on, um, on the cruise, for instance, the, on the, one of the nights, there was a, um, a dance party. And so I got up on the dance floor and I loved it. And I had a really good, but I had rested for three days beforehand. Um, but then two days later, we had another dance party and I thought, well, I was really good that for the other day, I should be okay now. And it was a rock and roll one. And I love rock and roll. I did two, dance, two dances. And on the second dance, this girl walked behind me and I pushed off on my bad leg and the whole leg just dropped. I just couldn't get up after that. I was in so much pain and I was just watching as everyone was having fun and getting up and doing stuff. And I was getting more and more depressed and I thought, no. So I walked away. Uh, I, I just, if I stay, I'm going to get really depressed and yeah. then I'll hate myself for what happened. And, and so I just left and did something else because I had to get it off of my mind. Um, and, and that's been the hard thing. Um, and that's why I wouldn't touch the organ because if I got on the organ and I couldn't play like I used to, then I would be really depressed. Mm-hmm. And my, my ability to heal and do everything would stop straight away. Yeah, no, interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, look, um, do you have any, uh, I guess, concluding thoughts, advice, or pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share <laughs> with the audience? Well, for... Um, for those on both sides of the fence, um, I think the biggest issue that we need to have is tolerance. And tolerance is understanding where the other person's coming from um, and where you're coming from and appreciating both sides of it until um, medical professionals have put themselves in the shoes of someone who is requiring their assistance, then their ability to show empathy and care and concern is limited. Um, mm-hmm. Likewise, sometimes um, we don't often appreciate the help that's being given to us, and we can be a bit prideful and go, "No, no, we want to do this by ourselves. We want to do this by ourselves." You know, and we don't really appreciate the help that's being offered, or we are grumpy or tired. And sometimes there's people that are really there to help and really want to try and help. And that's one thing that I had to to learn myself is that I was a very self-sufficient person and I never allowed anyone to help me ever. And then I realized that people were missing out on opportunities where they wanted to help, but I wouldn't let them. So now I had to go, okay, well, it's not that they're doing it for me or they're babying me or they're treating me anything less. They're wanting to help and I should let them because it's a two way streak. It's a, you know, yeah. friendship is two ways. 
and um, and so I've, I've had to swallow a bit of pride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been it's been it's been good. Yeah. I, was, I was always told if you get someone offering to help, take it. Cool, no, cool. Because it, it doesn't mean that you're incapable or or anything like that at all. It just means if someone asks, "Can I help you?" You can tell them, "All right, this yep. is what I need. Can, can you can you help me get there or do this?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. Without, without being too stubborn about your disability. Well, um, I. I didn't think I would have any issues walking along the beach, but I didn't realize that the walking on the sand was so different to walking on the pavement. And I started walking on the beach, and next thing yeah, I was like, yeah. I had to rock my walking stick. And I thought, no, the walking stick would be no good here. And so I'm like, I'm stuck trying to walk across the sand. And so people came over to help, and I was like, in, in the, at the beginning, I would have said, no, yeah, I can do this. I have to. But I was like, no, I need the help. I knew it. I needed it. Yeah. I was like, please. And no one treated me anything differently. Yeah. They just, they saw that I was struggling and they helped me along. And I just, I just never thought that I would be so badly affected walking along sand. <laughs> it just blew me away. I couldn't believe it. Look, at the end of the day, we're all human and we all need that support one way or another. It's such an honor to have you on the show, uh, Adam. And thank, uh, you. thank you for sharing, you know, your insight. No problems. Hats off to you guys. I, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing here. Thank you on the show. I'm, um, I'm impressed with what you guys are doing. I guess having you more. <laughs> thank you you've been watching crew chat your weekly podcast for everything disability thanks for coming on